Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Tuesday morning, we roll into the month of February. Here we are five days in, one week out from the Super Bowl. Everybody have a good weekend. Casey? Yes, Tom? Yes. What about you? Yeah, I did. I just hung out with some friends. We went out. It was nice. It was fun. You went out, what, to the bars? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have good bars in Clifton? Uh, the ones right next to my apartment I really enjoy. They're like Max, Murphy's, that type of Okay. Vibe. Yeah. All right. It's nice. Sane. It's not like mm-hmm. out of control. Yeah, it's nice. Right? Okay. Well, that's good. Gentlemen, how about you guys? I had a great weekend. Phenomenal. Were you in the bars in Clifton? I was not. You were not. I, no, I've outlived those days, but it was fun. It was fun at the time. My weekend was fantastic, yeah. It was nice. I worked, worked a lot on my house. Finally got some projects done, so it was nice. It was a nice nice weekend. Well, nice. A lot of sunshine. Yeah, Around for a change. It's really, really nice. We went, what, uh, seemingly uh, two and a half months without seeing it. And now about four or five days running. Not a cloud in the sky here in beautiful Hamilton, Ohio. And you did not go to Boogie Nights. No, I did not. That's the question everybody was asking. Yeah, I, I did not go. Um, the wife was not feeling great. So we are just postponing that uh, birthday celebration to my birthday because it's right around the corner as well. So when we, is your birthday? February 18th. February 18th. So you're going to do a combined trip, Boogie Nights trip? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get my friends and her friends and we'll all go down to... Is Tomas involved in that deal? Tomas is definitely involved in that deal. <laughs> definitely involved. I mean, you're involved, too, if you want to come. He's still a little put off uh, by the comments you made regarding your bachelor party. I thought we had a heck of a time down there that night. Yeah, he he likes to bring up uh, the 8 out of 10 a lot. That's right. That's the rating for those of you that weren't with us for Casey's uh, bachelor party. We all ended up meeting down at the banks, right? Right. And then we, uh, you guys then went to the casino. I had called it a night because I had to drive home. Right. But uh, you gave it you, you gave it a rating an eight out of ten, and he was pretty hurt by it. Well, he should have been. He should have been. He should have been. Why okay. only eight? What yeah, was what would have been eight? the nine? What, what, what was it missing? Why? What was it missing? Uh, you know, I, I like leading up to that, we were talking about going out to uh, out of the state, going and staying somewhere, and uh, the the whole like plan of it. Right. The yeah. actual the actual bachelor party itself was great, but it was all the stuff that led up to it that made it an eight out of ten. How about that? I thought the execution was fantastic. Big League Paul was down there, right? Keeping an eye on everybody. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, I mean that was fun. Neither one of you guys were there. I had to work. I had to go down and do a board event down in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I think my hearing hasn't been the same because it was a NASCAR event. And uh, have you ever been to one of those, Tom? No. I hear they're great. I It was like a minor league NASCAR event, and no one told me to bring earplugs, and I didn't. All I, I did have AirPods, so like I put, I thought I lost my hearing. It was the loudest thing <laughs> oh I've God. ever been to. It was right. so loud. Yeah, I mean, but I hear they're unbelievable to go to the real ones, the big ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, – it was – I actually – Everyone says you go to NASCAR, you go to a NASCAR event, and if you don't like it, you grow an appreciation for it. I had an appreciation for that event. For There was a 200 laps. I had an appreciation for it for 198 laps. I thought this is really cool. Everything was a lot of fun. The rules of NASCAR, hate them. This kid that was leading, it was like minor leagues, like 19-year-old kids racing. 
He led for 199 out of the 200 laps. Pole position from the get-go led the entire time. On the last lap, wreck happens, put the yellow flag up, bunch the cars together, guy passes him on the final Yeah, I've never understood that. I, it would it would honestly be like if the Cincinnati Reds were playing the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cardinals were in first place for 161 games. And on game 161, they have a rain out and they go, all right, whoever wins this game wins the division. Right here. Let's go. All or nothing right now. Let's rock and roll. Ridiculous, Tom. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I've never understood that whole yellow flag. I mean, I know why they have yellow flags and red flags and so forth, but I don't get that whole thing, how you get linebacker. Any, anyway, it doesn't make any difference because we're not going to talk about it here on the show, <laughs> on NASCAR Anytime. <laughs> we welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 hey. to 12. Hey. That was lame. <laughs> you can join us on YouTube. Her, very lame. You can join us on YouTube at Chatterbox Sports. We broadcast live on X. Boy, Elon's been busy. He has been. Busy. And that's at Seabox. Or if you choose to join us in podcast form, by all means, search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. What a weekend of college basketball, both locally and nationally. And we begin with UC. The Cats were coming off one of their worst losses of the season to a West Virginia team that had 13 losses against just seven wins. And then they were headed to 15th-ranked Texas Tech. Texas Tech, two years ago, did not lose a single game at home. Last year, they lost one. This year, 15-0. 15,000-plus. Wes Miller even made the comment afterwards, I always heard about this place. This place is unbelievable to try to come in and play. Back and forth it went. But look, be honest, it's like a movie we'd seen before. UC would compete in the Big 12 just well enough to lose a tight one. But not this time, my friend. After Tech took a lead with less than a minute, your guy, Seamus. That is my guy. Lacocious. Hit a jumper. John Newman third capped things off with a slam dunk, and the Bearcats shocked the Red Raiders 75-72. Aziz was a man. When he plays like that, Aziz Mandego, he had a double-double, his first since the BYU game. So what do those have in common? Ranked opponents, on the road, in the Big 12, he shows up, they win. UC is 15-7, and 4-5 and five now in the Big 12. They won't play again until Saturday, and that'll be against number four, Houston. Now Houston will slip probably to 5-6-7 because they lost over the weekend to Kansas. But that game this Saturday is a 4 o'clock tip at 5th, 3rd Arena. If they win that game, barring a total collapse, they're going to get in. Yep. If they beat Houston and don't lay an egg against the Kansas States or the West Virginias of the world, okay, they are going to get in. All right, then there's a one week ago, they lost by 43 points at UConn, number one team in the country. They bounced back, nice win over St. John's at home last week. Then on Saturday, Quincy Oliveri delivered one of the greatest performances in school history in a 93-68 route of DePaul to mean one game over 500 in the Big East for the first time all year. Oliveri scores 43 points, 12 of 20 shooting. He had seven three-pointers. 
He's the first Musketeer to score 40 or more in a game since Trayvon Blewett in the Crosstown shootout six years ago. Oliveri also added, by the way, 10 rebounds. Now, X will play three of its next four at home, including against Creighton and against Seton Hall. What is going on with our guy, Cal? I think it's the jinx of not coming on I off the bench. I too. agree. Just Holy like Sean Miller. Sean Miller didn't come on <laughs> against Texas in the tournament. He's not been on this year. They're two games over. West came on, and they got it turned around. That's right. Right? Darren Horn came on last year. They go to the NCAA tournament. Now, Cal's guys can light it up. They can score. There is no doubt about that. Offensively, they're as good, if not better, than every team in the country. They're the highest scoring team in the nation. But the idea, of course, is to outscore the other team. And they don't because they don't guard anybody. They have allowed 197 points. Think about that for a minute, boys and girls. This is college basketball. They've allowed 197 points in back-to-back losses at home to Florida and then on Saturday against number five, Tennessee. UK plays at Vanderbilt tomorrow night. Armando Baycott says the ACC runs through him these days. And look, it ain't bragging if you're telling the truth. The Carolina big man had 25 points, 10 rebounds. The Tar Heels beat Duke 93-84. At the Dean Smith Center in Chapel Hill, Carolina shoots 50% from the field, hit nine three-pointers. They are ranked third in the nation, 18-4 and four on the year. And it's only natural. It's like the sun rising in the east. Ohio University continued its ownership over Miami of Ohio over the weekend. 78-69, Jalen Hunter scores 22 for the Bobcats. And last night, I don't know what's going on with your alma mater, Casey. Two under 500. You know they have a basketball team there, NKU? Uh, I do know. They're not doing great this year. Okay. Uh, Who watched uh, the Pro Bowl flag football game? Uh, Raise hands. Come on. Admittedly, I have never watched a snap of not just this Pro Bowl, but any Pro Bowl ever. Doesn't doesn't interest me at all. I used to watch a little bit of them. I turned it on for about ten seconds, and that's all. It, that's all it took me for to to change the channel yesterday. Casey, uh, no, I did not. You did not. No. Okay. All right. Well, there were fifty five thousand people at the game in Orlando. Can you imagine that? Fifty five thousand for flag football. They were entertained. I'll say that. Uh, the NFC beat the AFC sixty four to fifty nine. Jamar Chase scored a couple of touchdowns. And then he pulled off an Ocho Cinco. He took over for an ESPN cameraman down in the end zone. That was kind of cool. That was cool. It was cool. And, you know, it was interesting, some of the comments that were made after the game. There were players who have played in the Pro Bowl when they used to put on pads and all that stuff. Now, the winning team, each player gets $88,000. The losing team gets $44,000. And there were a lot of comments by players that were saying, you know, the first half, it was kind of like, let's have some fun and let's laugh a lot. And blah. And then all of a sudden, I think it was Njoku who said it from Cleveland. He's like, all of a sudden, man, that fourth quarter came around and it was like game was on around here. <laughs> he said, there wasn't any more laughing and stuff going on after. I didn't watch it. But, I mean, 64-59 is 64-59, right? That's right. Your guy, Baker. Got the most valuable player for the Pro Bowl. Leader of men. <laughs> 
The Washington Commanders win is the Las Vegas Raiders loss. How do you let this happen if you're the Raiders? Did you hear this story? Now, they're trying to hire the former Cardinals head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who everybody universally agrees is a really smart, offensive-minded guy. Okay? He made his name down in, 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 in the collegiate ranks at Texas Tech, goes to the NFL with Kyler Murray. For three years, they put up a lot of offense. Murray gets hurt the fourth year. Wheels fall off. He gets fired. He was at SC last year. Okay? And they can score. They can't do anything else, but they can score. So the Raiders are negotiating on Saturday with this guy about coming their offensive coordinator under Antonio Pierce. Well, apparently they get hang up on the length of the deal two years or three years. And the next thing you know, they drag their feet. The commanders come swooping in and they hire up Kingsbury. This is why the Raiders are the Raiders. This is why the Raiders are the Raiders. And they're never going to be any good anymore. They're just not. Washington's got an owner now where they want to go get something done. They're going to go get it done. They swoop in at the last minute. They hire him. They add Joe Witt Jr. as their new defensive coordinator. All right. Dolphins hired Anthony Weaver as their new defensive coordinator. Weaver was a defensive line coach and associate head coach in Baltimore last year. So let's take stock of this now with the Ravens. Number one scoring defense in the NFL. Number one in sacks. Number one in turnovers. Fewest points per game allowed. They have lost their defensive coordinator, who's now a head coach. They lost their defensive backs coach, who's now a defensive coordinator. And they lose their defensive line coach, who's now a defensive coordinator. So the three primary guys involved in the brain trust of the Ravens. Now, they've had a lot of turnover around there in the past. Mm -hmm. so they seem to come through it okay. But that's a big hit. It's lovely, Tom. It's lovely for us AFC North teams. Why do you hate the Raiders? I mean, hate the Ravens so much. I don't Why hate do the you Ravens. do? You that, do. No, 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 no. I want as I want every team in the AFC North to get worse <laughs> this offseason. And so far, so far, I think we can agree that th those are big hits for the Ravens on the defensive side. You you laid out all the stats, number one and Almost every yep. defensive category, and they lose their entire coaching staff. Yep. And I know the Bengals had some turnover on the offensive side of the ball, and they're going to continue having um, some personnel changes there on the offensive side of the ball. But this is, I mean, the um, Callahan leaves the Browns. Callahan leaves the Bengals. You have McDonald leaving the Ravens. I mean, we might see a, a somewhat new AFC North after it had one of the most, or if not the best, year a division's ever had. So, I just, yeah, I mean, as a Bengals right. fan, you want the other teams to get worse, and this is a good thing for the Bengals. Um, well, what is this? Somebody said something about the show Friday. What is this? We had, a, we had an interesting show Friday. I don't know if the chat loved it, but it was one we were proud of. That's right. And we were, we were proud of our show on Friday. What, no what do they about say it. about it? Who was slain? Well, somebody just said, I have to ask you guys about it. I was here Thursday. It was not here Friday. It was Dad's weekend there in Bloomington, Indiana. So I, I was on my way over there. What happened? Uh, well, so what happened was... Lindsay hosted it for a little bit. <laughs> is because our bosses... Lindsay, you did? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. Very divisive show. Here's the thing, Tom, is our bosses... I don't know if you saw this, decided that they had a challenge, that they were had to beat this video game. Right. And for I every hour that they yep. did not 
beat this video game, they would owe Elliot $100. And it went on, starting at 9 p.m. the night before, it went on through the entirety of our Off the Bench show. So we had it, like, showing on screen. Like, right here really? where, where our desk was, we had their live stream right there going the entire time. So it was hard to to run a show when that, that distraction was going on. So... Me, Elliot, Casey, and Lindsay being the goofy bunch that we are, we had a little bit of a goofy show. It was, it was also Groundhog's Day. It, it was, was also Groundhog's Day. It was Groundhog's Day. Day, so we did a we did Tony an Phil. ode to Bill Murray's Groundhog Day, and we ran the intro to the show about seven times throughout the show. Very nice. Yeah. It was very good. I That's it was pretty creative, fun. I think. I think so, Thanks, too. Tom. Thanks, Tom. Lindsay, what, 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 what were you doing through all of this? What was you, Get up to the microphone there um, a little bit. I mean, what, what were you doing? So I have a better kind of feel for this well i was sitting in your seat you and, were yeah okay and they did the intro like the first time i might have messed up the title of the show so we had to redo that okay it on the bench instead of off the bench uh, but, okay well i believe me i'm really on the bench if truth be told but go ahead and then i told a little story about the tcu women's basketball team because we we're trying to find topics to talk about and then a lot of smug and pompous was going on. We did a lot of that. Smug and pompous? <laughs> or pompous, I guess. Yeah. Or pompous. Yeah. Okay. Decided on if people Don't were. Explain it. Yeah. <laughs> and so just kind of had little tidbits here and there. But mostly my main job was the intro a couple times, a few times. Very nice. Wow. I'm impressed. It's nice. <laughs> what, what, what were your thoughts about all this? You're not saying I thought much. I thought she did a great job. She did I fantastic. Mean, she nailed the intro, Tom. I mean, everybody on here is saying that she. She said, uh, Big C says, uh, Lindsay got better after the first intro. Um, Sir Boy says, Tom would rather drink a White Claw than watch that show. That might be true. That actually yeah, might, that be, might true. be true. <laughs> we ranked all the kickers in the NFL, Tom. That was fun. Oh, really? Was that uh, at the behest of uh, Everett Henry? Yeah, it was. Yep. yep. Right. Yep. We got through them all. It was a great show. It was fun. It was, it was a very fun show. It was one that can't happen again, but it was, yeah. it was, well, we'll have that, you know, when we look back 10 years from now, we'll remember yeah. that show fondly. We'll People remember. want to know, Elliot, you stand apparently to have made $1,400. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> Why do you say allegedly? I well, thought that I, was kind of like the deal. There might be some questions as to uh, the validity of, of, of the boss's payment, but I, I, I think it's going to happen. And if it does happen, I, I, I'm not, you know, uh, immune to the fact that they worked their ass off for it. They spent 14 hours straight playing a video game. So if that were to happen, I would then in turn take the 1400 that I won and we will put it on a bet. I'll live stream it uh, and I'll go through the same misery that they've gone through. Well, Unless somebody I, suggested you need to tie some of that money to the church. Well, I agree. They, I agree 10%. Well, then we'll give them. We'll give a small, a, a very small portion to the to the church, and if they if they they can use it as they please. But I I, I don't think it'll. I, if we were up you're to saying me, that people are going to are, are going to have made wagers, and then they're going to welch on those wagers. Is that what you're telling me? It sounds like that's what you're saying. It does a little bit sound like that, doesn't I, it? I know some guys <laughs> in town that aren't afraid to break some kneecaps. Yeah. If you need a guy, you know, okay. people. you know, I, people. Yeah, I know a guy. I, yeah. So I, Hamilton's got those guys I, I, and I'll hire it's them. It's, it is Casey. <laughs> yeah. It's Casey. Very okay. threatening. Well, I don't like our chances then if it's Casey, <laughs> but it, if it's somebody else, then, then that's what it'll take. 
I want to wish uh, Mr. Mo good luck today. He starts school today. Mr. Mo. Accounting and the basics of sports management, his first classes. How about He's that? He's a regular. Yes. We all want to wish him good luck. That is fantastic. You going to Bluffton, Mr. Mo? He's a, he went to Bluffton for a year. I wonder if he's going back. Well, he didn't learn anything there, so he's starting all over. <laughs> well. All right, let's get to the Bearcats. <laughs> I want to get to the Bearcats. Oh. Uh, I was sitting in Bloomington, and, you know, college students, and you know all about this, you know, the college students, they're up really late at night. The parties start really, really late, okay? So we had gone to the Indiana basketball game. Our son had to work the game for student radio and television. So I was there at the game, and I'll get to that in a little while because I was absolutely stunned uh, at, at, at what is going on now at Indiana University basketball. I'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, so, um, you know, Luke had worked all morning. We go to this darty. You've been to a darty lately? No, I have not. You have not? Well, we went to one, and it was going on now. I, I mean, like going on. It was outside. It was sunny. It was beautiful. It was happening. The music oh, yeah. was, didn't like the music much, but it was happening, right? Did you play any beer dye? What's that? Did you play any beer dye? No, did not play any beer dye, but there was more than enough, more than enough cold beer for all. Yeah. And then some, okay? So then all of a sudden, you know, like at seven o'clock when I think I'm going to take my son to dinner, and then if he wants to go to some party at 1130 at night, that's fine. That's where dad steps out, Okay. And all the dads at that point were going to step out. But he decides he needs a nap about seven. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. So I'm sitting with a couple of other dads in a bar. My son nowhere to be found. Schnoozing his, his life away. Right. Right. And so I get to watch all this college basketball on television, which on a Saturday night I normally would never. So I got to watch a North Carolina do game. What a game. Yes. North Carolina's good, man. Very good. They yeah, got a good team. Um, got to watch uh, Cal, our guy Cal. And I, you can't get the big 12 plus ESPN plus, right? Oh, yeah. On any bar around. And this was a big league bar with all the games, but apparently they didn't want to pay for big 12. So I follow the thing on my phone the whole time I'm sitting there. Now, you said you didn't get a chance to see it. Did you watch much of it? I watched it all. I mean, unbelievable win, right? It was one of the best. I think it's, the, I, I would argue, and my dad, we were all watching it at a family party, um, and my dad made a good point. It was probably the best game of the year in terms of viewing because it was constantly a one-point game throughout the entirety of that game. I don't know what the biggest lead was, but it couldn't have been more than five. It, it couldn't have been. It was just back and forth nonstop. It was an absolutely phenomenal win on the road for UC, and it's one that kind of negates the West Virginia loss, which, by the way, and again, we'll see what happens with West Virginia. They're not a good team, but they are getting healthy. They're, it's the first time they've been healthy in quite some time right now. So if West Virginia is able to be somewhat, I don't know, competitive towards for the remainder of this season, that, win, or that loss won't look completely horrible. It was on the road. Uh, you have to beat them. At the, I think that we play West Virginia the very last game of the yep. season. You have to win that game. Yeah. But this game against Texas Tech on the road, number 15 in the nation, uh, uh, absolutely phenomenal environment. It was great. It's, it's an absolutely must-win game, and, and they won it. West, West Miller, again, people are going to doubt West Miller heading into this season. It was kind of a make-or-break year for him. Maybe He didn't maybe have to make the tournament, but he would have to show him 
prove himself a little bit that he can hang with the big boys. And he has not, if not, exceeded that this season. He, the, the, the Bearcats are more than good enough to compete in the Big 12. I just sit there and I say to myself, when I look at some of these rankings things, and look, I'm going to be the first guy to admit, I don't sit around and watch college basketball all, all night, every night. I just, I, I, there aren't enough teams that interest me to sit around and watch some Pac-12 game at 10 o'clock at night or right. whatever it might be. I agree. But, but I sit there and, and, and I say to myself, I look at the teams that you see is playing every single night. Every night. Now, they totally laid an egg against West Virginia. Let's not mistake that at all. Totally laid an egg. But, I mean, whether it's TCU, whether it's Texas, whether it's Kansas, whether it's Texas Tech, Oklahoma. I mean, they are in every single game. Right there, one possession, one way or the other is the difference between winning and losing. Seemingly Every single night they play. And I, and, and I look at some of these things and these bracketology things, and I'm thinking to myself, Boise State's going to be an at-large team ahead of Cincinnati? Yeah, Villanova? An at-large over Cincinnati? I mean, are you kidding me? I agree with you. I agree with you. I think it's 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 Cincinnati should absolutely be in as of this very second, as of the second. Now it could they could collapse and, and yes. lose it out. But as of right now, they've been in every single basketball game they've played this season, except for Dayton, coincidentally, uh, the home game asterisks at, at the whatever Heritage Bank Center, whatever the hell it's called. But if UC is able to get one score, if if we're able to keep Dan Skillings, if he's able to go thirty minutes and he's able to contribute, I'm, I'm not asking for twenty. If he can give me fifteen. 15 every single game, night in, night out. UC is going to have a chance. We have John Newman, who is by far the best, the most important player on this team. No doubt. Dealing with rib injuries left and right. Com comes out, plays a phenomenal, phenomenal game. It was 5 for 9 shooting at 11 points. Played 35 uh, minutes, I think. Yeah, and it was crazy. John Newman, John Newman is the most important, most valuable player to this team, not because of what he does offensively, which he's one of two players, really, that can drive to the hoop, drive to the basket strong. He's also the, the, the best defender by far. The best defender we have by far. So if we're able to keep these guys healthy, keep them going, I think UC's a tournament team. This Pop Isaacs guy is a great player. I mean, Wes Miller made the comment afterwards. He said, I've coached a lot of basketball. He said, and he's as good an offensive player as he has seen all year long. And, and that's, that's high praise because they've seen a lot of good offensive players this year. Um, but Newman guards him most of the game. Day-Day Thomas handled him for part of the game. And he goes five for 19 from the field. Yep. Well, I mean, yeah. Did he get 22 points? He did. And he hit the biggest shot of the game. Could have been the game-winning shot for them. Whatever it was, 35, 40 seconds left before... Mm -hmm. Lukosius hit the shot to give UC the lead. But, I mean, th th there's no doubt about it that um, UC, it's hard to believe they have as many games left as they have. For some reason, it just feels like the college basketball season's winding down. And they've got nine games left. Yeah. And, and they have already four wins in the Big 12. Now, look, I don't know. I hear people that follow it say this stuff. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're not. I don't know. It's like when people start speculating about, well, how many wins is it going to take to win the NL Central? Well, who knows? Nobody knows that. If they sit there and proclaim like they do, they have no idea. 
You don't know. But everybody was saying if UC could get to eight or nine conference wins in the Big 12, that they would be a tournament team. Okay, well, they're, they're four and five right now. And they've got, we mentioned Houston left. All of a sudden, a team we never talk about, ever, Iowa State. These are back-to-back games coming to fifth third. Houston's ranked fourth. Iowa State is ranked 12th. They're both coming into town. So three of their next four are at home. Houston, Iowa State, they go to UCF, they come home against Oklahoma State. And then, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's another, here we go again. At number 25, TCU. At number, 20, at, at number four, Houston. Kansas State comes in. At number 23, Oklahoma. And then you wind it down, West Virginia. Can you not see four or five wins in there? You have to beat Oklahoma State at home. You have to beat, beat West, West Virginia, Virginia at home. Correct. You have to beat Kansas State at home. Yeah, so there's three. Those are three. The out, outside of that, if you can give me one or two, uh, you're in the tournament. One or two and you're in the tournament. And that's and that's not even – we're not even factoring in the fact that they could win a game in the Big 12 Conference Tournament and negate mm-hmm. it anyway. So, yeah, I, this schedule's a gauntlet. Iowa State coming off a brutal loss to Baylor. I don't know if you watched the end of that, Tom – Iowa State, with about one second, had the ball down, I think, two, maybe one. I don't know what it was. Had a ball, had the ball, hit a buzzer beater to win the game. They looked at it. He was about a half second short. So they had to, they had to negate the thing. So Iowa State's coming off a, a, a terrible, brutal loss to, uh, to Baylor there. But, yeah, this is, this is the Big 12, and this is what you sign up for. This is, this is the best basketball conference in the country. I, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, and there's a lot of debate, Tom. I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because there's been a lot of talk about how, and we talked, we touched a little bit last week on Friday, how how yeah, soft both. the Big 12 non-conference schedule is. Yep. And it, and it's fair, right? It, it's sure. fair. But Tom, I think when you when you play, and we just went through a schedule here, and every single game is against a ranked opponent. Or if you don't want to go by rankings, if you think the AP poll is not relevant enough, each one's a bit against probably a top 30 net. Each every single game, night in, night out. Why would, you, why would you make it more difficult for yourself and schedule a gauntlet non-conference heading into the, the, the bigger gauntlet is, that is your conference? Why would you do it? Well, it I mean, and, and this is the whole thing you get into with college football, too, because Michigan hasn't played anybody out of conference for the last three or four years, and that's going to change starting next year. But, I mean, pretty good recipe there, right? Yeah. They blow all those guys out. They win three straight Big Ten titles. Because they beat the team they had to beat to get there, right? They had to beat Penn yep. State, and they had to beat Ohio State, and that they did. And they're in the college football playoff three years in a row. They finally won the whole thing this year. Alabama doesn't duck anybody. Late in the year, they'll play one of those Division One AA teams. But early in the year, generally the first or second game, Alabama's playing a juggernaut. Big-time program. Somebody. Yep. Every year. Okay, whereas Georgia, Georgia won't do that. I don't blame them, right? Mm-hmm. LSU does it. And it burned them this year. They lose to Florida State early in the year, right? And yep. now you're behind the eight ball and you're playing catch-up the rest of the way. So, look, I, I, I get it on both sides, but I'm with you all the way when it comes to basketball. I mean, this is such a grueling, long season. Um, you know, w- would you like to see UC get invited to play in, in one of those games where you're going out to Hawaii or you're going to, in the old days to Alaska or whatever it might be where you're playing, you know, Duke and all these teams on mm-hmm. back-to-back? Xavier did that this year. Correct. Same thing. Yeah, you love seeing it. But, um, but you know, in, 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 in the Big East, I mean, there are at least a couple of borderline layups in the Big East. DePaul, we were talking about DePaul. DePaul I mean, 
DePaul is is yeah correct like when, when you look at the big east compared to like the big 12 and i think the big east is the second best conference i think it's hard to it's hard to argue that the big yeah. 12 isn't the best conference yeah. but yeah when you see you got two games against DePaul, even though xavier has lost to DePaul the last few years um you, you go all right there's two wins right there georgetown even though they've got ed cooley and he might turn it around i don't know but at this very moment yeah, two layups right there. Yeah. Uh, then the rest of it is fairly competitive. You look at the you look at the Big Twelve. There's not a single game when the closest thing to a layup on your schedule is going to Morgantown, West Virginia, and trying to win there. That's a tough conference. So, like when we talk about this non-conference thing, yeah, you can't blame a school for you know trying to get as many wins as possible, knowing that when conference play comes. You're going to have to play ranked team after ranked team. I just looked up the net rankings because Elliot brought it up. Yeah, what are they? I'm curious. In, in is this Ken Palm or what is it? This is the net, the NCAA's net okay. rankings. Out of the top 30, there are six Big 12 teams. And if you go to the other power conferences, the Big East only has three in the top 30. The um, Big 10 has four in the top 30. The SEC has three in the top 40. So in the top 30, the Big 12 is without a doubt – the best conference. And even if you go outside of the top 30, you, you're looking at Texas is 31, Oklahoma's 32, Texas Tech is 33. So it just continues to yeah. get better and better. Almost every single game yeah. in the Big East is a quad one game. Almost every, or Big 12, so I apologize. Almost every single game is a quad one game, especially when you go on the road. Almost every single one of those is going to be a quad one. So it's a, it, it's a tough conference. It, it, it really is. So I know that's the talk is, why does the Big 12 play such a soft out of conference? Well, Ellie, you nailed it on the head. Is you got to get wins somewhere, right? 100%. When, when you're looking at the end of the thing and Selection Sunday, if you play a tough out of conference schedule, and then you go 500 in the in the Big 12, and you're looking at your your, your 16 and whatever, you've only got 16 mm -hmm. wins. It's hard to let this team in. It looks a lot better when you win 20 games. And, and I think the issue is, and maybe it's just because it's locally, and, and we're talking about it. Xavier has had arguably the toughest schedule in Division One college basketball. It is, it is the number one schedule in college Number basketball. one schedule. If Xavier Xavier was not expected to win pretty much any of those games early on, they beat St. Mary's. Outside of that, it was there was a lot of close losses. If they were able to somehow beat Delaware and Oakland, they would be in without a question of a doubt. Without yeah. a shadow of a doubt, they'd be in the tournament right yeah. now. That's where that's where it's like, yes, you can you can have the hard schedule that Xavier had or the easy schedule UC had. The difference is if UC loses uh, an Oakland to Delaware, we don't have Done. the negating factor of a difficult schedule. Xavier Done. does, so that keeps them alive uh, per se. UC, thank God, took care of business against every scrub team they played uh, outside of again Dayton. Who whoever scheduled that game was that's a, that's a that's a nonsensical game because. They, you know, they were going to travel well. It was not. It was a technically a home game, but not really a home game. It was a neutral. It was a neutral floor game in Cincinnati, but eighty percent of the fan base was Dayton. Nonsense. That was a nonsense game. Just bring it home. Anyway, uh, outside of those, outside of that game, and obviously Xavier, which you see has never won ever. Um, yeah, I, they took care of business on the non-conference schedule. Was it against a bunch of terrible teams? One thousand percent. But I'd argue that they got their minds right during that stretch against Scrubs. And it was able to, I would say, be the team that they are today. You know, Vic Locken, we can talk about him for just a second. Yeah, I, would, because I was going to ask you about this. What has happened to him? I don't I know. know. He's hurt. I know he's sick, right? But I, I think he played bad over the weekend. Victor Locken, you could argue, was our best player last year. DeJulius, I'd argue, and, and Landers Nolly, I would have certainly argued. But 
I, I think there is a point, Victor Locke in the, in the American, being a big man in the American, a lot different than being a big man in the Big 12. I don't know who that guy was for West Virginia that's nine feet tall and dunked over yeah. him every single time, but we're talking about big guys here. This isn't, this isn't the American anymore. We're talking real basketball. Victor Locken, I think, is going to struggle uh, to develop in this league. I really do. He can be a four, uh, and he can be the world's worst three, but he cannot be a five. He cannot be a five. Aziz can be a five. Jamil Reynolds can be a five if he wanted to. Victor Locken doesn't have it. Victor Locken constantly looking for outside shots. He's looking for shots that aren't inside the lane. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what's happening with Victor Locken, but it's going to need to change soon. Otherwise, he's going to lose his spot. I think Jamil Reynolds is a talent, more talented player. Jamil Reynolds is able to contribute. Yeah, but something's going on there with Reynolds. I don't know what it is. But I agree. I mean, he's just not getting enough minutes. And, and, and anybody who follows any sport, you don't have to be one of the insiders. When you see a guy with the physical skills of Jamil Reynolds and what he did when he played at Temple, and now all of a sudden he's here, something's not jiving. Right. Something is not jiving there with him, Miller, somebody. I don't know what it is. And I'm not sitting here saying it's an indictment on the kid because I don't know. But there is something not right with this guy not getting more playing time. Well, it's weird because they fought so hard to get him in, right? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about why wouldn't the NCAA let him right, that's right. get um, – I don't know what is going on, but there is something very, very wrong going on there. Otherwise, why why would you fight so hard for a guy that's only getting 10 minutes a game? I mean, just wait until next year. Well, it's then. just – and again, the biggest issue is to say what you want about Victor Locken offensively, defensively, usually he's a presence. Usually he can defend at least a, a touch. And, that's and right. That's what it comes down to. This team is overwhelmingly better at defense than they are at offense. You need to continue to, the, the strong play at defense. So priority-wise, you have to put Lockin in because he's better defensively. Now, I think the same issue is going with Jizzle James, who's not playing a ton of minutes either. Day-Day's out playing him in pretty much every facet of the game. Day-Day doesn't shoot great, but he defends uh, tougher than anybody else on the right. team outside of Newman. So there, are, there is a minutes issue with some of these guys. But again, that's just because of how you play defense. Well, uh, like when C.J. Frederick comes back, a lot of people are begging for C.J. Frederick to come back. And I am too. We're, we're, I would argue one of our biggest issues is the three-point uh, three shot and maybe free throws, even though free throws has been a lot better lately. But I, I think C.J. Frederick would be a, uh, a struggle defensively as well. So it's, it's about keeping up the tough defense, really. They were perfect from the line. They were. They have been better. 10 for 10. Let's get this stat. You see on the road 78% at the free throw line. At home, it's like 60 or something like that? At home, it's 58%. Oh, that's Go terrible. figure that. I, the basket I, you shoot at every day in practice. But by the way, since Wes Miller has made it a sticking point allegedly in practice to make free throws, they've been phenomenal. Good. There you go. The last four games or so. Three I, games. I didn't watch the game on Saturday, but I'm, I'm literally just looking at the box score. Mm -hmm. Aziz, double-double. How did he play? Great. He, he's great. Defensively, he's he's arguably, again, John Newman's the most important player. If, if he's not the most important defensive player, he's the second He's the second biggest reason as to why UC can win games. Well, I think you can make an argument. He is the, he is the uh, single biggest defensive presence in terms of shot blocking there 100%. is in the league. 100%. I mean, when he's on the floor now, you're going to have a hard time taking the ball sure. to the rack on the guy. 100%. Yeah. The only knock on Aziz, this is the only knock he has, but he was doing it great. He was doing, he was doing a post move. He was, he was, backing, guys, he was backing guys up in, in, in the paint. He was doing all the, all the, everything that I've had a criticism about him 
up until this point. He was doing it all perfectly on Saturday. But the only knock on him is that he struggles uh, offensively a little bit. He, he doesn't uh, go up strong with it, as they say. Right. They, they, the, really, his whole game plan is those nonsensical lobs that they, they just throw his way every single time. And you guys didn't, weren't able to watch it. But I think they had like 10 lobs that you just try to lob it up to him, and it just <laughs> slams off the backboard and bounces away. Terrible. That's got to stop. The lob's got to stop. Some of the turnovers got to stop. But again, they, they've, they've fixed the free throw issue. It seems like Aziz has found his spot, at least the past couple of games. So yeah, I, I'm very high on this UC team once again, after a brutal, brutal, disgusting loss in Morgantown. It's so much fun. This is like a... It is. It is. It is. It, it, it's, it's so similar to watching you as a fan through the Reds. We're all the way back. We're dead. All the way back. That's right. Dead. That's, that's how right. it is. Same with the Bengals, too. All the way back, best team in the league. Dead. That's and this right. Is why it was so he wanted to ship Bandago out of town five days that's ago. That's true. I did. He did. He did. This is, but this is why it's so important to play in the Big 12, because every single game matters. And Reed told me this before the season. It's like, and I kind of probably shrugged it off a little bit. Like, yeah, 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 whatever. But when you're playing East Carolina twice it's in hard, a season. It's, it's hard to get When you're playing Temple twice in a season, it's just like, what are we doing? We, I, I said this last year when UC's going through the American – and as a Xavier fan, every single game, other than the DePaul, other than the Georgetown, you're excited about. You're yep. like, oh, Xavier plays tonight. They play Providence, even, Seton yeah, Hall. They, they right. go up to Providence. Yep. They go play Seton Hall. They play St. John's at, at yep. Madison Square Garden. And then they're not even to mention the good teams. And you'd be, all right, who's UC got tonight? Oh, they got East Carolina. Oh, they got Tulane. Yep. And you're like, well, I mean, like, they, they, you, you get excited for like three UC games all season long. Yep. That can't be a whole lot of fun as a fan. Now, I mean, we could talk about the gauntlet that UC's been on, but every single night they're playing a ranked team or a team that has been ranked at some point this year. That's fun. And, and they're competing. Even if they weren't competing, it's still fun knowing that they're going to play a good game that you're excited for. It's, it, it's, 100%. Just, it's just night and day. Night and 100%. day. 100%. Um, okay, and then there's Xavier. And, and I want to get to something for a second because I was trying to explain to these guys uh, before the show today because, again, I, you know, I'm, just, I'm old enough to remember this stuff. Um, there was a time when DePaul University, not DePaul in Greencastle, Indiana. We're talking about DePaul in Chicago, right in the heart of Chicago, Lincoln Park, right? Now, DePaul is like many of the schools in the Big East. Right? Catholic school or Jesuit school, whatever it might be, right? They are primarily in a lot of big cities. Xavier's here, DePaul, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall. They're these private schools, uh, religious affiliated schools, uh, and they're smaller schools. They're not, you know, the 20, the 30, the 40, the 50,000 students that you see at some of these other big public universities, right? Okay. But, but, but try to picture for a second, back when Ray Meyer, Hall of Fame coach, one of the most beloved figures in the history of sports, this guy was like your grandfather and was a great college basketball coach. He had DePaul ranked in the top 10 every year. What, 16 years, over a 16-year span, they go to six Elite Eights, or Sweet 16s. Over a 10-year span, they went to six Sweet 16s. Yeah, and I mean... There were a couple of those years where they no doubt had the best team in the country. I mean, it would not even debate them. They got Mark Aguirre and all these guys who went in to have great NBA careers. And man, they were on national television every single week. They were independent. Uh, they end up getting in a conference, great Midwest conference with um, UC uh, and others. 
And then Joey Meyer, Ray's son, takes over for him, and slowly the deterioration starts. They go out and they hire all these big, high-profile coaches from other places. Jerry Wainwright had had a great run at it down at UNC Wilmington. They had had Oliver Purnell, who had had a phenomenal basketball coach. And they bring in all these guys, but, but they just get swallowed up in Chicago. I mean, they have to beg, plead, ask, and pray to get their score even on page seven in the Sun-Times or the Tribune. Nobody covers them uh, local TV. Nobody. They're swallowed up by the Bulls. They're swallowed up by the Bears in the fall when they start their season. They're swallowed up by the Blackhawks. You don't even know they're there. And now all of a sudden, Reed and I were talking about this this morning. There is no doubt in my mind, DePaul, who has not won a single game in the Big East this year, They've won three games the entire year, and this isn't taking anything away from Xavier playing great. We'll get to that in a second. But I think for a lot of guys my age, it is hard. It's almost unfathomable what has happened to DePaul basketball. DePaul basketball would not win. They wouldn't finish in the top three in the, in the, in the MAC. Tom, no. it's, it's, it's very bad. I mean, you mentioned their three wins that they've had. The teams that they have beat, ready? South Dakota? Chicago State, and Louisville. And we all know what Louisville's like this year. If you go through their Big East games, the closest game is they, they played a very close game at Georgetown. They lost by three. Every other game they've played in the Big East, they've lost by at least 15 points. 15 points. They're terrible. I, I, the conversation started when we were talking about DePaul before the show. It started, it's like, why are they in the Big East? They've never been good. And you looked at me, you're like, Reed, they used to be very good. And I looked up, pulled up their Wikipedia page, and yeah, six sweet six sweet sixteens in a ten year span. Didn't know that. Well, over that ten year span, I guarantee you in uh, I guarantee you in probably six or seven of that ten year span, there were times during those seasons where they were ranked number one in the country. I, I don't doubt it at all. They went to the final four in nineteen seventy nine. That was actually, I think, when uh, Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson in the national championship. Yeah, and DePaul was the best team that year. Well, there you go. Everybody wanted to see Magic and Bird play in the championship. Well, they got their wish. Right. But DePaul was the best team that year. Yeah, it's the, DePaul hasn't made the NCAA tournament since 2004. They joined the Big East in 2005. So a, a correct correlation that they just can't compete. And there's funny, there's, there's a, those fan accounts on Twitter. DePaul has one. And he has a list, this fan account has a list of every name that has been associated with being the head coach of DePaul. And it's just like nonsensical, like Dwayne Wade, head coach, next head coach of DePaul yeah, and right. everything like that. I, I, I don't know. You can see Georgetown turning a corner. You can imagine that. They get Ed Cooley in there. They can be, they can be similar to what Georgetown was decades ago. I can't see this DePaul team no. turning it around. Like... I don't know if the Big East needs to cut ties with them. It's bad for the conference in all seriousness. I mean, it's nice to have a couple wins for Xavier, even though, once again, they've lost mm -hmm. They've lost to DePaul last year up in DePaul. But it's not good. It's really not good. And it's crazy because you could bring in you could bring in a team like Dayton, same qualifications as everybody else, and you'll know they'll be more competitive and oh, people man. will show up to the games. That's where Nobody Dayton shows belongs to in the Big East. Ever. That's where they belong. But 100%. I would, I would bet, I would bet, and I could be wrong on this. I would bet that Xavier would fight that. 
Well, the re- I think the Big think East, they, would. They, they absolutely would. I think part of the thing, if, if you look at every team in the Big East, they are all, almost all, in a big city. Yeah. Right? They, they all have their own market. Paul's in Chicago. Xavier's in Cincinnati. You got Villanova in Philadelphia. Georgetown in D.C. Correct. Yeah, right. Yeah. It goes on and on yeah. and on and on. So I think the idea is that Dayton absolutely fits the bill of a Big East school. Catholic school, private school, yeah. very good basketball school. Has You know, they have a football program, but not re- like they have an FCS school, FCS football program. So it's not like that. But I think the reason, I think Paul told me this, is because that it would be a competing in the same market. Dayton and, and Cincinnati are basically the same media market, and now there'd be two teams. Now, that's not to say that there's not a – I think um, Seton Hall and St. John's are both technically the New York market, but that's the New York market. That's, that's the, right. Cincinnati's not big enough to have two teams. But I'm, I'm with you. I think it would be great if Dayton was in the, the Big East, but I understand why they're not doing that is because it'd be two teams in a small market. But I think it would be very short-sighted on Xavier's part to fight that because, look, Dayton has their crew of fans. They sell out every Correct. game, right? And they all live within 10 miles of the arena, basically, yeah. or 15 miles of UD Arena. And Xavier has their crew. They sell out almost every game of their 10, 11,000. Right, right. I mean, they've got their, they've got their fans that you're going to guarantee. And so they're, they're, there's really zero reason. And again, I don't know for sure that that's what they would do. So I don't want to speak for them. But let's get to, um, let's get, what, what time we got here? 1049. Uh, we're, we're 1049, okay. Um, but, but let's talk about Xavier for a minute because, you know, uh, I, I read somewhere yesterday where Oliveri's going to start getting some serious airtime to win a Big East Player of the Year award. Oh, yeah. yeah I he- mean, you know, now look, when you look at some of his season stats, he did not start off really hot. He transferred in. and oh, It took him a while to get his legs underneath him. The team, it's taken them a while to kind of get their feet beneath them and so on and so forth. But they do show you signs. Uh, the St. John's game the other night, the game of DePaul. Eh. But Oliveri... 43 points, 10 rebounds. This kid is such a magnificent personality. I mean, golly day, he just exudes. You just love the guy. I, and, man, he's a gamer. Yeah, he, no, he is a gamer. The, he, you were high on Quincy Oliveri before conference play started. And admittedly, I, I didn't watch a whole lot of Xavier before before the new year. And I was like, all right. So, so I sat down and watched him. And, yeah, he, he's a scorer. It is reminiscent. I, I think you, you alluded to him when we were texting last night. It's similar to Sule Boom of last year, yeah. where this transfer comes in and is a prolific score, really changes the team from the onset. Obviously, um, Sule Boom was doing it with, you know, better scores yeah. around him. Yeah. So, like, it, it's a little more impressive than what Quincy Oliveri's doing. But it, it, it's similar in when Quincy goes, this Xavier team looks very good. Right when when he struggles, you know, scores twelve points, doesn't shoot well from the field. Xavier loses. The same thing happened with Sule Boom last year. If Sule Boom put up twenty points, Xavier won. Yep, yep. It's the exact same thing. So when Quincy goes, Xavier goes. When when, when Sule Boom went last year, Xavier went. Yeah, he he's he's a phenomenal. There, there's some there is some bright spots of the Xavier team. I yes, know the there record's are. bad. I know that they've lost to they lost to Delaware and Oakland. Everyone reminds them. I know they really don't have a marquee win. You know, they, they took Houston down the wire. They really didn't compete against Purdue, covered that game. Um, they, they lost by five at UConn. But they still don't have, like, UC has those, what, three, four ranked wins? Mm-hmm. 
You see, or Xavier doesn't have a single one of those. They're still looking for that marquee yep. win. But this Xavier team has a lot to look forward to. I know Quincy's just a one-year transfer, but Des Claude, yep. he's fantastic. He was the only guy that came back from that play last year. Trey Green looks very nice at times. Davion McKnight looks very good. He has good. been rock solid. Yes, he hustles up and down the floor. And he takes he's care of the ball. To, Most of the time, he takes care of the ball. He's a delight to watch. Truly is. This Xavier team, like I said, I, I threw it up on the, the lower thirds earlier. Even though they're 12 and 10, most um, tournament websites have them sitting at like a 60% chance to make the tournament. Seems unlikely at this moment. Seems incredibly unlikely that they'll make the tournament. But all the math is, is saying they have just as good of a shot as you see. And that's because they have, you know, they play in the Big East. So they have opportunities to, to get big wins. And on top of that, they've got some nice players. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. I want to talk a little bit more about Xavier. And I want to get into, uh, I want to get into what I saw at Indiana this week. Because... Again, I'm showing my age. But man, the state of Indiana University basketball right now. Look, all the UK fans are up in arms about Cal right now. I mean, I was talking to my dad last night. He's got a lot of friends down there in Lexington, a bunch of you know, money people in the state of Kentucky, Commonwealth of Kentucky. And there are people that are going ballistic to run Calipari out of there. Well, you know what? They're still ranked in the top seven or eight in the country. Yep. They're going to be in the tournament. Right. They sell out every game, right? They play anybody, anywhere, anytime. Out of conference, North Carolina, Kansas, Michigan State, they play them all. And they're a top 10 team basically almost every single year. Not every year, but just about. That is what Indiana used to be when the general, Robert Montgomery Knight, was there. I went to Indiana on Saturday, and I could not believe my eyes. We'll get to that and more shortly. Casey, take it away. Here we go. All right. The uh, Bearcat Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world. With a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and... Productivity. Are we supposed to say something here? I forget. I forgot it. Mm. What's the word? Productivity. Path to innovation begins here. Visit well, Encore. I think it, that is right. It was productivity. It was productivity. That's productivity. right. That's right. Good call. And then let me tell you about this lovely bottle of water right here. Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Buy your coffee from UDF, swish it down with some Pawnee Water, and get your technology solutions from Encore.Tech. And uh, I'll throw it over to Reed for the other promotions. Hey, we had a milestone as a company what? over the weekend. Why? Did you see this? Why? We surpassed 10,000 followers on X. X. So um, thank you guys for all, all of us, all of you guys that are watching this right now that follow us on Twitter. Thank you so much. If you're watching this show, 
and it's your first time, go ahead, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification. It'll let you know when we're going live, even though you know we're coming at you every day, Monday through Friday, 10A to 12P. Uh, give us a like. Like. The most important thing you guys can do to help our YouTube grow is just give that thumbs up. You watch a video, thumbs up. Leave a comment. Watch for a little bit. It helps other people see our stuff so we can have more people interact with in the chat. Um, we love you guys so much. That's all I've got to say. How about um, that? Molly's telling me to wake up. Molly, I'm awake. I don't know what you want me to say. Elliot um, has been saving his energy because he's got a big, big match today. Trace and Elliot will be, will have a match today on the tennis court. Yeah, I feel I the feel challenge. I feel a little bit bad because I don't know I didn't know if you guys knew that you guys were coming to that. I don't I didn't know I, and I still don't even really fully know what the plan is. But so go so Casey take it. Yeah, I mean I I didn't know well I didn't think about it. I knew what we were gonna have to record though. But anyways, that means we prob we will yes. not have box lunch today. So, so here's we what will, we will do: no box lunch today because we got to get down and we got to film that that uh, tennis match. Yeah, Man, we will this have... is like uh, Billie Jean King against uh, Bobby Riggs from yeah, years that's ago. That's right. Who's Billie Jean in this scenario? It doesn't make any difference. Go ahead. <laughs> so tomorrow we will have box lunch. So box lunch will be on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday well, we're this at, week. We're gonna do. Are we? Are we doing gaming stream tomorrow? Yeah. Well, we, we can still do box lunch. Right, right, sure, right, right, right at twelve. We we promise them three box lunches a week. Sure. Yeah. And we'll give them three box lunches a week, and we'll do the gaming stream tomorrow. Um, yeah, so that's all that, and uh, no box lunch today, but we'll have some content. I, if, if Elliot, I say this in all sincerity, if Elliot cannot beat Trace in tennis, which I, I want to state this, I think you are a lock. If I could bet on this, you'd be minus 400 odds, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think you absolutely are going to win this match, but if you can't beat him in tennis, that's not a good look for old Ellie Rue. No, it's not a good look. But listen, I, I I've I've faced uh, bigger challenges in my tennis career than this, and I and I've showed up. I don't know if you know this, Tom, about me, but and again, I've never mentioned it on the show before. Yeah. But when you look back at the some of the greatest awards one can win uh, in, in athletic competition, all being all nominated for all city is the best one. And I was nominated. I won. I was all city in tennis. That's big league in the great city of Cincinnati. So I I, I would say that. Trace is up for a, a tough a tough test today. I said some disparaging remarks before you got here today when we were talking about this tennis match. Yeah. They, what did you say? I said that if you can't beat Trace, I never want to hear about you being all city ever again. What I if, think I think that I think that's a fair concession. I don't think so. Because if you don't beat Trace, I don't think so. I, you can't say it on the show. I don't think so. I don't think that's right. Trace gets your all city titles. That's what you're that's playing. That's what for. happens. You're yeah. playing for. I give him my all city. Okay, that's fair. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> he gets to be all city. He's, He's all, all city. city. You be, if you beat the all city, you're all city. Correct. It's 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 like a title that's change. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. IU basketball, Tom. You know, I'm sitting here looking at the numbers, okay? And 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 Brian, I think it was suggested that Kentucky is becoming Indiana. Brian, they're not. Trust me when I tell you, not they're not. Close. Okay, they're not. Um, Bobby Knight takes over in 1971-72. They proceed to go to the NCAA tournament or win a national championship all but one, two, three years, all the way until Knight loses in the second in the first round in the year 2000. Think about that for a second now. Wow. 1971. To the year 2000. 
They win three national championships in that time. Um, they go to the tournament every year. Second round, Sweet 16, regional final, final four, final four. Had back-to-back years where they should have gone undefeated. They had gone 30-0. Scott May, their best player, breaks his leg. So they get beaten the tournament in the national semis. The next year, they go undefeated. They went back-to-back years of 18-0 in the Big Ten. And this is when the Big Ten now had some teams. I mean players. Great NBA players. And Indiana had them. I go to the game Saturday. And they are playing Penn State. Now, Penn State's known for a lot of things. They went to the NCAA tournament last year. They had a really nice team. They had a nice run. But the second the season ended, they lost everybody except for three players, and they lost their head coach to Notre Dame. They have a brand-new roster, basically, this year. This game was at Assembly Hall. So, my son goes to school there. He's working the game, student radio. So, uh, the guys at Indiana are nice enough to get me a press pass and go to the game. And, uh, and I stand down in the corner where he's doing all his stuff down in the, un- underneath one of the baskets down the corner and stand there and watch the whole game. The first thing that hits me when I walk in the door, and I don't know why I would have thought maybe any differently, but Indiana's different. I think there was a, a, some kind of study that was just done four or five months ago, right before the college basketball season started. And they got into brand recognition for college football programs, college basketball programs. Indiana had the fourth best brand name in college basketball. They were ahead of Kansas. They were ahead of UConn. They were behind teams like North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky. Then there's Indiana. Well, North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky have one thing in common. They're all going to the NCAA tournament. They're all going to have Maybe five or six or seven losses for the entire year. Tops. Tops. In Carolina's KJ won't even come close to approaching that. And then there's Indiana. So I get to the arena, and I got a buddy of mine who went to Indiana, doctor here in town, Marvin Lopez, and he's sending me a text before the game, and he says, man, that play's going to be rocking today. I'm like, I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to get there. It is a absolutely phenomenal arena, even after all these years. I love that place. It's kind of straight down. And, I mean, you can see where it gets really loud. And, and, and the press seat that I have is all the way at the top of the joint. And that was still a great seat. So, um, now we're getting 30 minutes from game time. 15 minutes from game time. We're 10 minutes from game time. And the upper deck, across from the benches, is almost completely empty. It can't be 10% full. The upper deck. Now, lower deck, students and everything, yeah. Big money alums, yeah, they're all there. But here I'm saying to myself, you have got to be kidding me. This is Indiana basketball. They are 13-9. and nine. It's a third year. One of their all-time greatest players, Mike Woodson, is a head coach. His first year there, they win 21 games. They get bounced in the first round of the tournament. Last year, they had a nice team. And they lost a couple of guys that went to the NBA. They lost, so we, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, Tom, about how Xavier lost their entire starting five. And they're not a program that when that happens, they recover easily. They don't get top recruit Like Kentucky, Duke, UNC, 
a lot of the times they lose four out of their five starters. They go to the NBA. Like Kentucky always does, right? Yeah. And they just refill the cupboard because they get those top recruits. Xavier can't do that. Indiana should honestly be able to do that. They lose a they lose an All-American in Trace Jackson Davis. He's like third all-time in Indiana scoring. One of the like truly one of the best Hoosier basketball players that have ever come through. He's getting run with the Golden State Warriors right now. They lost a lottery pick in yep. Isaiah Hood Shafina, yep. who's getting to play in the NBA right now. Then they also lose some players that had been, you know, played a lot of college basketball like Miller Cop and Race Thompson. Other than that, they bring back nobody besides Trey Galloway. Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson, who was hurt a lot of last year, he comes back. But it, it is so surprising that a school like Indiana, despite losing four out of their five starters, can't come back and be better than they are right now. Well, I mean, by far and away, their best player is the big man that transferred in from Oregon. Where? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he had a double-double. He had 25 and 11 or something the other day. But they have nobody that can shoot a three. I mean, they don't have anybody. When they fall behind 8 or 10, phone it in. They're done. Because the only thing they can go to is dump it in downside to two guys that can score a lot. They have no one that can shoot the three. And I tell you, I, it, I felt bad for the kid from Centerville, Gabe Cups, on Saturday. Whew. I wonder if he'll stay there. That's a man's league now. I'm telling you, that's a man's league. They yeah. played a Penn State team, and you can see – you know, Penn State had just gone on the road, and they had beaten somebody pretty good the other night, Rutgers or somebody. You can see where, where they have some players. Only three came back from last year, the tournament team. But, I mean, the bodies on these kids now. We see it with Xavier and guys like, you know, these guys that played for UC and John Newman the third. I mean, the point guard who went off for like 28 or something like that mm -hmm. for Penn State, their best player didn't even play. Penn State's best player did not even play. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he got elbowed in the face. He's missed two games in a row. And they just kicked the snot out of Indiana. I, I truly cannot believe it. And I wonder if, you know, you talk about how they don't have any real scoring threats. Reminder, this is a fresh team. So this, this shouldn't work as an excuse. But, like, their offense for the past four years had run through Trace Jackson Davis. That was their get it down the floor, get it to Trace Jackson Davis. He'll figure out a way to score. And now they're trying to have to reestablish their identity. They made the tournament the last two years. They're obviously not going to make the tournament. I think they got like an eight percent chance, and it's probably their they're really their only chances either to run the gamut for the rest of the year or win the win yeah, the Big Ten tournament. Right. They're going to do neither of those things. No. Their season is is absolutely done. I I I'm with you, Tom. I'm with you. It's it's you see this you see this in football. Nebraska football isn't yeah. what it used to be. I have a theory that Oklahoma football is going to get to that point sooner or later, that it's never going to be what it once was. And, and this happens, changing of the guards. Indiana basketball, as you mentioned, one of the premier brands. There, there's few things that the state of Indiana loves more than basketball. No question. High school, if you've ever been to an Indiana basketball game, yep. if you have it, you need to go. Every, it doesn't matter the size of the school. They build these opulent gyms because their church is basketball. They love it in Indiana, and they love their Hoosiers. I mean, Purdue's playing very well right now, but in the state of Indiana, <laughs> the Hoosiers are it. And if they can't get back to what they once were, and I don't think they ever will, man, it is a sad sign. So, you know, you say that, that they're it. I, I, I agree with you. Historically speaking, they're it. But my son, uh, after doing a game last week, they went out after the game, and what, what's the kid who does it? The, the guy who was a great player, Purdue, Hummel. 
Robbie Hummel. Yep. He broadcast for the Big Ten Network. Yep. And he was yep. nice enough to take a bunch of the young Big Ten U guys out after the game and get some wings and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Hummel had told our son, he said, look, I, I'm biased. Purdue. He said, I played there. He said, there was a time you came to play in a game at Bloomington in Indiana, and it was the place to be in the Big Ten. He said, now, he said, at Mackey Arena, they can be playing Chicago State on a Tuesday night in November. Yeah. And you can't turn around in the joint. Right. And don't look now, but look what Thad Mata's doing at Butler. Everybody wondered if this guy was washed up. Well, he went, what, 14 and 16 or first, his first year there? Now, all of a sudden, they beat Creighton the other day. Right. They've won four in a row. That's right. No, now, are they the brand that Indiana's Purdue the brand? No. But now, all of a sudden, you've got Purdue, and you might say, well, they got Zach Eady. Well, yeah, they recruited Zach Eady. Okay. Right? And, I mean, this is two or three years in a row now. They've been ranked number one. Number one in the right, country at right. various points in time. Right. Indiana, you don't even see them in the top 25 anymore. Yeah, no. they were. I think they were, they were ranked throughout the majority of last year. They were because they, they were really good with, uh, you know, I think the, the two best big men in the country last year were Trace Jackson Davis and uh, to Zach Eady. Um, but, but you're right. Outside of a, a couple games, I went to Assembly Hall. I've been twice now. I went uh, a couple years ago. On a Sunday, they were playing like Minnesota, so not a big, big game. And, and the majority of the place was empty. And that's a big arena. I know, I know it's, it's a cathedral of college basketball. I didn't think it was – I didn't like it that much. I really don't like the way that it's set up, the, the high ends. I, I think you, you talk to some Indiana fans, they, they, want, a new, they want a new arena. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take for Indiana to get back. I, th- I believe in Mike Woodson. I think Mike Woodson, in his first two years, takes this team to the tournament. Obviously, they're having a down year. I mean, I, I don't want to pull the plug on, on Mike Woodson, but... There are a lot of people around there that do. I get it. There are a lot it. of people them around get, there that do. Them firing Tom Green was probably a bad... bad well, the worst thing that happened to Indiana basketball, because I would make the argument he's the best coach in college basketball, period, today, is Kelvin Sampson. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, what he has done at Houston... And really, wherever he goes. And, and now, I know a lot of the Indiana fans hate him because he, he got him on probation with the uh, texting thing, yep. with texting kids when it was supposed to be a dead period. I mean, this guy wasn't a bandit. He wasn't, he's been a coach a long time. He's not been in trouble, trouble. Okay? I mean, you know, there's a difference between before NIL and, and then going out and paying players like a lot of schools were doing, including some of the Big Ten. Kelvin Sampson wasn't doing that. And Indiana fans can dislike him all they want. I get it. He got him on probation. But that's the guy. When they lost him, Crean is the next tier down. Mike Davis took over after night, next tier down. Uh, Archie Miller, next tier down. These guys aren't Kelvin Sampson. And Woodson isn't either. Um, But we'll see where all that goes. One thing I want to get into with you guys, and I don't know if, if you've paid much attention to this, but it's all over the local papers here, is this NHL thing. With Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Because apparently Gary Bettman, you have a soundbite here on this? I do. All right, listen, this is the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman. What about it? Okay, if somebody wants to express interest and tell us they want an expansion team, 
we'll talk to them as we talk to people in Houston, in Atlanta, in Cincinnati, Kansas City, Kansas City. Uh, there seems to be a, a increasing and vibrant expression of interest in having an NHL team in places where there aren't. Okay. You heard it from the commissioners. Now, he wasn't prompted about Cincinnati. He brought right up Cincinnati out. on his own. Um, and then, you know, now all of a sudden you got Jason Williams uh, in the paper today. You had Jeff Birding, okay, and all these guys who um, talk about the arena, the arena, the arena. We have been losing so many things. And I'm not saying hockey would work here because, quite frankly, I don't think it would. I don't think NFL hockey, I mean, NHL hockey would work here over the long haul. The tickets are incredible, just like the NBA. It's incredibly expensive, those tickets, to go to NBA basketball games. If you want to go buy season tickets to an NBA game, you're paying through the nose to get in the door. And, and, and I, just, I just don't see it happening. I just don't think there's enough money in this town to support two college basketball programs, a major league baseball team, and an NFL team, along with college football when UC is good. I think it would be great for the city in a hypothetical world uh, in a, in, where everything's perfect and everybody shows up to the games. An, an, an NHL team would be awesome. The issue is I, I truly believe when you have these, these, these teams who have longer seasons, like the FC Cincinnati season is almost like a, its own event. It's its own world because, A, I don't really know when the season starts or ends. There's different tournaments throughout. It's like there's, there's a lot of things to keep fans intrigued. For an NHL, NBA, MLB season, it's pretty much you're doing the same thing night in, night out for, for months. The Reds, and again, people will get on me for this, people don't show up to Reds games. They don't. Cincinnati does not show out for Reds games during the week, which is, what, 75% of their games at home? Yep. Or 60% at least, for 60%. Sure. If that's going to be the case, then, then what would be the point of an NHL? What would be the point of an NHL team if nobody's going to show up? Because all I heard last season when the Reds were a game, a couple games out of a wild card spot, leading a wild card spot, all I heard was the gas prices were too much and nobody could make it down to the ballpark. So if we're having hockey games, is that going to be the same issue? Is gas prices going to be still too high? If we have an NBA team, gas prices still too high? Not to mention the issue of that wretched arena they call Heritage Bank uh, well, it Center. Would, it would have to be with a new arena. Yeah, well, there's they, no doubt they, about they, that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let an NHL team expand to Cincinnati with a, without at least a promise of a new arena. They will not play at the Heritage Bank Center. Um, tickets tickets to NHL games. I went to a Columbus Blue Jackets-Dallas Stars game. It was like 10 bucks to get in. Um, obviously, you want to sit in the lower bowl, it's going to cost more expensive. So they're, they're really not that expensive. They play three times a week. Do I think that an NBA team would fare better in Cincinnati than an NHL team? Yes, I do. Because I think this city already has an affinity, although not for the NBA. They do have an affinity here in town for basketball. We like our UC. We, yep. like, our, we like our Xavier. A lot of Kentucky fans here in town and, and some other teams dating to the north here. I, I believe that a team could compete in the NHL. Like, I think that we could, we would get behind an NHL team. I might, I might be crazy for that. I know this city doesn't have a history at all, really, with hockey. There's few high school teams that have hockey teams. I mean, you can count them on your hands. How many, how many high schools have hockey teams here in Cincinnati? It's mostly just the private schools and then a pocket of a couple of public schools here and there. But for some reason, maybe it's ignorance, 
I think that it, that I would I, I certainly would get behind a hockey team here in town. And the season's not as long as an NBA season. I know they 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 are shared. I mean, it's a couple months shorter. Um, they play what is it, eighty games or something like that? It's pretty in, similar in, to the NBA it, season. It's pretty similar. They yeah, play uh, eighty-two games. They play eighty-two games, so it's incredibly similar. But uh, listen, I think I think we can get behind it. All all it takes is is good a good product. I think your dad said that one time. You, you knew all the promotions that you want with the Reds and everything like that. The best promotion you can have is have a competing team. Yeah. If 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 there's a Cincinnati hockey team and in the first two years they compete like the Seattle Kraken did like the Las Vegas Golden Knights did, then right off the rip, you get excited about it, right? You're all right, there's playoff hockey here in town. It's a new sport, don't know anything about it, but sure, I'll go to an exciting atmosphere. Elliot's been, went to a, went to that Blue Jackets, uh, Dallas Stars game. There's few sports that are more entertaining in person. There's no doubt. Than a hockey game. But I, I just sit there and I look, at, I look at, if they start in the fall, okay, you've got an NHL team 90 miles up the road. Right? In Columbus. Right. You have the Bengals. You have UC football. Yep. You hit November, you're starting UC basketball. Xavier basketball. FC Cincinnati got all the way down to the semis, and they were playing in what, late March, early November? Yeah, they, they, they played all the way up until late November. Okay. So now you, you, you roll that into the winter where UC plays, Xavier plays, right? And now here come the Reds. Now, granted, not home games, but the, you, you're going head-to-head with the Reds and then FC Cincinnati again just a couple of months later into the new year. Yeah. I just I look at the town and I'm like, there's no way there's enough money in this city to support all of that. Now you can say, well, the, um, the Cyclones are third in the, um, in the, what is it? ECHL? What, yeah. what are they in? Don't know. Okay. Yes. Well, anyway, they're third in the league in attendance. They average, average about 5,000 a game. Okay. But the tickets are nothing. You get a beer for two or three bucks. They used to have dollar beer night. Now it went up to $2 beer night. Thanks. Binomics. And so, I mean, that ain't happening in an NHL game. You're spending eight, nine, ten. What are you paying for a beer at the Red Stadium? Uh, it's about yeah, eight bucks. Yeah, Th- that's what happens when you bring the NHL in. So you can't say that because Miami hockey draws well. It's a college team, and you got enough people that live around there where it's something to go do. And they've had some great teams through the years. Um, they're just it, 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 you know, but the but the stadium. What are you gonna say? Go ahead, Case. I mean, I I do think that there is some some validity to the, to it being an NHL team, right? Like that's. That's like the I only. I agree. I think we like, get behind it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the only reason why I don't go to many Cyclones games is because it's not the top talent of the the hockey world. The NHL is. Like, I'd rather much go see a a game in the NHL than I would uh, the lower league. Now, one of the things I would uh, argue back with you on that they get five thousand in attendance. The Cyclones. Um, FC Cincinnati. I mean, when they were in the lower divisions. And they had a lot of success for like five years in a row, winning that league multiple times. Yeah, I mean they were filling out um, Nippert Stadium yep. time and time again, and it, it's it really is all based off of success. If the Cyclones Correct. were more successful, I think there probably would be a a bigger push for the NHL to be here. But they, 
I remember they were really good when I was like 10, 11 years old. The, uh, the Cyclones made it to their championship mm -hmm. once or twice in that good. span. But since then, they haven't been very good. So, But they still get a 5,000 5, fans. Like, if yeah. it was a NHL team, I think you could relatively see how, how you could fill. I don't know the number is. But I, I do think people will show up, and again, they're not well, showing up for the but hockey. It's, look, they're they're look, not showing up for the hockey when you go to when you go to a cyclone look, team, and that's a fact. Look at look at other cities and how they've fared with their hockey team. You you look at a Nashville, and I know Nashville doesn't have a baseball team, but they have a football team. They have a big they have a big uh, a power five college university in Vanderbilt. No Vanderbilt doesn't have that have have as passionate as a fan base as certain teams here in Cincinnati. But the Nashville Predators they. They do very well for themselves. You look at a, a city like Tampa. Tampa gets nobody to go to their successful baseball team, gets nobody to go to the Rays games, but the Tampa Bay Lightning, very successful. They sell in almost every game. They're very passionate about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Down I understand, there but they don't have the carryover from the other stuff is what I'm saying. You, you talk about Nashville, nobody goes to the Vanderbilt football and basketball games. I mean, you're right. I mean, they'll play Alabama and half the stadium be full of Alabama fans. They got a great baseball program. Okay. You know, but they don't have, they don't have constant, even, even if you want to just say, okay, Vanderbilt, that's fine. They are in the SEC, but it's not two of them. Here at Cincinnati and Xavier. It's not only Cincinnati and Xavier in basketball. It's also University of Cincinnati football. You're talking about all these tugs for the wallet, right? Bengals have been playing into January, almost February the last couple of years. And you throw the, the you throw FC Cincinnati in, selling out every game, brand new stadium. You throw in the Reds, who there's so much excitement about them these days. I just, I mean, I, look, I could be totally wrong. And, we, and, and until they get a new stadium, we're never going to find out anyway. But it is very much in the news uh, these days right now. I think with the limited amount of people, too, is the other thing. It's And again, Tom is right. And Nick Mormon asked it in the chat. How does having a baseball team and a soccer team uh, exclude the other hockey fans from having a successful hockey? It doesn't. The issue is I have a hard time believing that all of these people will show up to the hockey, to the hockey games. Uh, they, they will in their first year. And then if they start struggling, right, it's going to be the same thing as it is in every sport. If your right. team's not good, people stop showing up. And, and it's going to be hard to make a, a make adjustments right at the beginning, which is what they'd have to do. I know some teams have done it. Well, yeah, uh, the, the NHL Vegas, expansion the Vegas Knights, track. Yep. Well, Seattle Kraken, good, good from the rip too. Yep. So it's possible, sure. I have a hard time believing in Cincinnati where uh, the Cincinnati Reds, and, and people said, well, they live very far away from the Reds. And, I, and again, I'm not blaming you, I, but maybe I'm blaming uh, the – I'm not blaming you individually. I'm blaming the fan base as a whole. Because there are a lot of people who live in Cincinnati that don't show up to Reds games on a Tuesday night when your season's on the line. I have a hard time believing for 82 games in an NHL season that's going to be packed the whole way. I think soccer is a little bit different. I think, again, FC Cincinnati, we were begging for a soccer team. This was a soccer town, believe it or not. Hmm. Uh, and, and I think there is a niche fan base for that sport. Yep. I don't know if there is one for the NHL in Cincinnati. There might be, and I might be wrong. Well, there's 5,000 at least. Well, again, right. five thousand is not doing anything. If you if you have five thousand right, uh, NHL but games, you have nothing. What I'm what I'm getting at is you have five thousand, and then you're you're excluding all those fans like me and Reed who would never go to a Cyclones game that would go because it's an NHL team now. 
that it's a professional league. I think there is something and, to and that. And NHL, Tom just mentioned very good reasons. Nobody is – nobody, and I mean nobody, is showing up to Cyclones games because they need to watch their favorite Cyclone player play that game. They can't name one. They are, you can't. They are going – and again, God love them. They are going because beer is a dollar and you can get into the door for a dollar. That's why you go. It's a fun atmosphere. It's a fun environment. I, we get to throw things onto the court. It's fun. It's a fun atmosphere. That's why you go. They do not go. For soccer, again, I think they are going because of soccer. You get to know the players, yada, yada, yada. That, that's why people show up, not because of the, they love Cyclones. And the other thing you're forgetting about here is, too, is that the Reds, to survive, are so reliant upon the region, the whole tri-state area. Yeah. Kentucky, Kentucky, they've had it for hundreds of years here, and since 150 most years of, they've had a baseball team, right? Oh, a, a lot of Ohio anyway, yeah. yeah. I, I think the Reds really dropped the ball when they didn't, they didn't move their minor league team, and it'll make some people mad, but I, I, who cares? They should have moved their AAA team from Louisville to Columbus. They should have done it. Because they'll, they'll keep greater Kentucky. population up there. They can see your players come through the system. You would own the, the entire state from the middle yeah. of the state down to the bottom. Correct. You don't Columbus. You don't Dayton. Now, the argument can be made. You keep it in Louisville, and, and you're, you're going to draw from those areas, and that's fine. And, and it, it will, that's a debate for another day. But anyway, the point being is that they rely on the entire region. West Virginia, they're driving in here in the summer, right? You know you're going to come in here. Uh, the game's going to start at 6.40, 7 o'clock once the summer gets going. Chances are the weather's going to be good. Um, and you take a summer day off, maybe bring your kids and your wife or your girlfriend or whatever you do, and you come in for a nice summer night. They ain't getting in the car from Lexington and Louisville and Parkersburg and Charleston and Indianapolis, for that matter. They're not getting in the car when it's 10 degrees outside to drive here for a Tuesday night in January. It's a big difference. That's listen. That's fair. And and when I say that I think Cincinnati can support a hockey team, it's based on not a no facts and not a lot of logic. To be quite honest, I just know that the NHL has almost across the board has a pretty good does a pretty good job at filling their arenas, especially if you have a good team. If you have a good team, people show out. As I mentioned before. So do I think if 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 Cincinnati gets a hockey team? And they go 20 and 62 the first few years that people are going to be showing up to that arena? Absolutely not. Not a chance in hell. But if they have teams that are playing in the postseason, I think people will show out. Tom, I do have a question for you. For the longest time, for, for about four decades, all four major um, leagues were expanding very rapidly. NFL was constantly adding new teams left and right. From about the 60s to the, to the early 2000s, new teams almost every decade. MLB, the same thing. Expansion really started in the late 60s and com- continued till 1998. NBA, same thing. Constant expansion. NHL, they've expanded twice this decade or this century, but really that's it. You're seeing more and more leagues for really the first time in my life talk about, hey, we're ready to expand. Yep. We're ready to go. Do you think that we are on the age we're about to start a new era of constant expansion in these leagues again, or do you think that they'll kind of sit where they've been for the last two decades at around 30 teams? I think there are a lot of people with grand plans out there. It's really no different. It's just on a different scale, different model. There, there, are, there are a lot of people out there that kind of feel like a lot of people here do about the thought of an NHL team. It sounds great. Until all of a sudden, you got to support it. Right. 
And, you know, they can talk about Nashville. They've been talking. See, see, Nashville has become the new Charlotte. Charlotte, for the better part of 20 years, was one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. And everybody said, man, we got to get a we got to get a major league baseball team down there. And they were lined up to get the NFL team. They draw pretty well. They get good support. But now they're terrible. And nobody goes. The NBA team, Michael Jordan's going to buy the team. All this renaissance is going to happen with the team. Eh. Okay, and now people, they don't even talk about Charlotte anymore. They're talking about Montreal again. Montreal, one of my favorite cities in, that I've ever been to in my life. Can't tell you what a wonderful place that is. Last time I checked, the baseball team left there. Last time I checked. Nashville? Uh, okay. Is there enough money in that town? There's a lot of money in that town. A lot of country music stars live in that town. There's a lot of growth in that town. But when you're talking about having to put butts in the seats, especially baseball, 81 home games a year. That's a lot of fannies in the seats, brother. A That's lot right. of games. That's right. I think, I think, you know, I know baseball had a little bit of a bounce back this year attendance-wise. Their television ratings were a little bit better than they've been in the past, but they're still nowhere close to what they used to be. I just think these guys are looking, if they're th seriously thinking about expanding, I think they're just looking for the cash. That's if all they're looking for, the entry fee for a team coming in, because there, there's no data out there that can make me believe that a city like Nashville is ready to support 81 home games a year. All right, I'll, I wasn't just talking about baseball. No, I know I you weren't, but right. I'm just giving that as an correct, example. Correct, correct. So I'll, in the next decade. And well, so okay, well, just to finish, the, the, the NBA is completely in the tank. Right now, right. from where they are, right. from a rating standpoint, an attendance Not standpoint, a lot of talk about I mean, the they right. are one of these right down the toilet. Right. The only sport that you could pretty much guarantee and you're printing money, is the end NFL. of story, is the National Football League. And they, and they, want, they want to expand overseas. Yeah. They, they want to expand to, to new countries because they've got their stranglehold yeah. here in, in, in America. They want to they continue to expand. So, all right. So, for the past 20 years... There has been, I believe, two new, two new NHL teams. There's been one new NFL team. Okay, but, but, but let me, but let me back NBA up a sec, so though. I'm, the two teams in the NHL, correct me if I'm wrong here, the two teams they've put in, the, in, the, in, in hockey, one of them is in Las Vegas correct. where the only thing they have is an NFL team and they just got to town. And they're getting okay. a big baseball team here. Well, well, yeah, but now. But I'm saying when they got them there, that correct. was it, correct. right? And it's Las Vegas. Correct. Tourism capital of the United States, correct. right, after Florida. Okay, and then they went to Seattle, right? Seattle Kraken. Okay, yep. Seattle, which had just lost an NBA team, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, brutal. They, I mean, they've, they, they've been in and out of there. Pro teams have been in and out of there two or three times Yep. and left. Seattle Pilots, yeah. Baseball team left left there. Yeah, listen, I, I, I'm just – I'm, just, I'm going to give you an over-under on, on this next question here. But, yeah, and the NFL team was the Houston Texans, who I think joined in 2002. And uh, the now Charlotte Hornets, I believe, formerly the Charlotte Bobcats, joined the NBA like in 2002 as well. So those have been the only expansions this century in the four major sports. 
But every league besides the NBA, MLB, NFL, and NHL are constantly talking about expansion. Will there be four new teams in those four sports over the next decade? If I gave you a three and a half over under. Oh, yeah. You're taking the over. You think there'll yeah, be at I'd least four teams? And all those combined? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we've only had four in the past 20 years in all those four sports. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd say I, I certainly – I think the NFL is going to expand with two more teams. I think the MLB is going to expand with two more teams. I think the NHL is going to expand with two. I, I think it's going to go way beyond that. I just think it, it's cool because, like I said, for from 1960 to 2000, all four of those leagues constantly expanded, constantly added new teams. The MLB rapidly. I think in the, the early 60s there were like 14 MLB teams – um, by 1998, there were 30. Yeah. So they doubled the league. Yep. NFL very similar. Uh, NHL very similar. So I think it's going to be just really cool that they're that these leagues are perceivably doing well enough, other than the NBA, to expand. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else we uh, want to get into here today, boys and girls? Uh... Anything else on your mind? No. no. I mean, we already touched on the coaching staff changes for the AFC North and how that affects the Bengals. We talked about that. Well, at we all. talked a little bit about that last week, and we brought up in the monologue how, you know, look, it's, everything is helping the Bengals. But, you know, we're going to get into, and I know you've already been looking into some of this, and, and, and you guys did a little bit about it when I wasn't here, about, you know, who the Bengals are going to draft and all this kind of thing and what they're going to do. Um, at the end of the day, who cares about, about the rate? I mean, I brought it up in the monologue, so some of us must care. But at the end of the day, it's not like the Ravens are going to fall apart. They have they're yet. the Ravens. I mean, they're the Ravens, okay? We love the Bengals around here, but the Bengals ain't the Ravens as far as the long haul over the last 20 years is concerned since that team left Cleveland and moved to Baltimore. They've won multiple Super Bowls. They go to the playoffs seemingly every year. When they have staff changes, people are lined up to go there because they're going to pay them and they're going to pay them well. Right? They ain't going anywhere. Not going anywhere. The Bengals' future is all in front of them and what it is they want to do. Because this amount of money that they have under the cap, we're going to find out how bad they truly want to win. Franchise tags start on February the 20th, I think it is. That's right. All right, pretty One much a foregone conclusion that Higgins is going to be tagged. And why not? Keep the band together one more year. But you've still got a pile of dough to go play around with. And we're going to find out. If this team starts this season in that 8 to 10 to 12 to 15 or more million dollars a year under the salary cap, they're not trying to win and don't believe if they tell you otherwise. You agree with that, Elliot? I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, How I, could you not agree with it? I, yeah. I <laughs> when when you, when you look when you look around the AFC North, I think there are two teams far and far and away better than the other two teams. I don't think that's a historically sure. So I yeah I, I think it's as as Tom would say it's not cutting time for the Bengals. But I would say this I would say the Bengals over the past couple years it's as much as it is a, a history it's about what you've done in the past. It's also what have you done for me lately, league. And the Bengals lately have been one of the best teams, if yep. not arguably a top five team in the NFL in the past several years. Yeah, and listen, you're absolutely – you nailed it on the head when you said the Ravens aren't going to just falter because they lose their defensive coordinator. 
but he was one of the the most sought after defensive coordinators in the league and for good reason. All the stats that you you laid out there top in almost every single statistical category. Yep. So listen, continuity is a good thing in the NFL. It really is. It was part of the reason that the Bengals were thought of so highly going into this year. You know, they make the Super Bowl two years ago. Then they go to the AFC Championship game. Oh, and they keep their entire coaching staff. This is a force to be reckoned with because that doesn't happen in the NFL. You have success in the NFL. Everyone wants a piece of it. They copy what you do. They want your offensive coordinator. They want your defensive coordinator. They want something that you've got. And the Bengals had continuity. Now they lose their offensive coordinator. The Baltimore Ravens, when Lamar Jackson's on the field, they are a juggernaut. They truly are, at least in the regular season. When Lamar Jackson's playing out there, they look like the best team in the league. And now everyone wants a piece of that. But you're right. I mean, I don't know how significant it is for the Bengals that Mike McDonald leaves, that uh, Brian Callahan took his dad up there from the Browns. Yep. I don't know how significant these moves are, but it's. I, I would argue that it's more likely a good thing than a bad thing. Yes. You agree, Casey? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all those sentiments. Um I mean, for, for me, the AFC North coaching staff thing, I, I get what you're saying. They're still going to be the Ravens. Um, the Browns are only losing one coordinator. is isn't going to completely reshape that defense. That was number one in the league. But, you know, it's, it's not just that either. There's lots of free agents that those teams are going to be missing out on and uh, players that they're not going to be able to keep around. Um, that also kind of compounds that uh, those issues as well, like, the Ravens are more than likely going to lose Matabike, which was one of the best pass-rushing defensive tackles in the league. Um, Browns are losing that edge rusher, uh, Zadarius Smith, which really helped make that a number one um, There's the perfect the example of what I'm talking about. The Browns signed that guy when anybody could have had him. Yeah. Anybody could have had him, right? Same with Clowney the year before. Right. Anybody could have had him, and they don't make that kind of move. Right. I mean, he was only like $10 million too, That's right. So it, it would have been great for the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, if you had him on the – it's just like what they have with Miles Garrett up there, right? You got this guy on the other side of the field, right? Line right. of scrimmage. Right. Okay, well, they'd have somebody who's a legitimate pass rusher, double-digit sack guy, who's on the opposite side of an already double-digit sack guy in Hendrickson. But they don't do it. We're waiting around on Joseph Asai. Well, I think it is their make or break offseason this year for sure. I know we said that last couple times, but this one specifically, I mean, that after this, I mean, you got to pay Jamar Chase. You're going to have to start strapping up your cap space and all that nonsense. So, we all, we, Yeah, we all, know, we all know what's ahead for the Bengals. We all know what's ahead, and, and the, the blueprint on constant success in the NFL is, is clear as day. There, it's no, there's no secret recipe. It's have a good quarterback, have a good coach, draft well. You do those three things, you're going you're gonna to win a lot of games in this league. And I, I think the Bengals certainly have hit on one of those. They got the good quarterback. I would argue some win it, but I would argue Zach Taylor is, a, is more than a good coach. Yep. I, think, I think Zach Taylor is, is – so they got the good coach, got the good quarterback. Let's do the final thing, and that's draft well, which they drafted very well leading up to 2020, right? 2020 they drafted well. 2019 yep. drafted well. 2018 they drafted well. 2021, outside of Jamar Chase – wasn't a very good draft. They got Evan McPherson. Besides Jamar Chase and Evan McPherson, not very good. Um, we'll see what, what the 2022 and 2023 draft classes come of that. But you keep drafting well. 
they're going to succeed. I wasn't here on Thursday, Tom, so I'm sorry for rehashing this topic, but I didn't get to hear your opinions on the fact that Bill Belichick didn't get hired. I, I just can't believe it. I don't know what the hell is going on in the NFL. I really don't. But I think that the point I made was I think there are going to be a couple of teams this year where there are going to be teams that are ready to win now. That for whatever reason, they don't. Yeah. Dallas. You know, yeah, I mean, look, everybody knows this is it for McCarthy. I mean, he what, what either a, gets to an NFC championship game or he's run. What about what Jerry Jones said about that? Said, we will not extend – Mike McCarthy literally just said he will not be our coach next year. I mean, of course, they can't extend him throughout the year, but that will literally take him. He's, he's a lame duck coach. How do but you see, take I never, I never understood what that meant when they say lame duck coach. Does that mean that every single coach who quote-unquote underachieves, if they're going into the last year of a contract, a contract they willingly negotiated, that they willingly signed, that you signed a five-year deal at X amount of dollars, here's a term, here's the money. Okay, you're going into your final year. Do you think there's going to be... Does anybody believe there's going to be one player out there, whether it's somebody on the current Cowboys roster right now or somebody who's thinking about coming there as a free agent? Do you think they give a rat's tail about Mike McCarthy being in the final year of his contract? Absolutely not. The only thing they are interested... And please don't... Ever, 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 I beg of you, don't ever misunderstand this, okay? The player cares about the money, yeah. and they care about the playing time because playing time turns into money. Anybody thinking of joining the Dallas Cowboys, it, it will not even enter their mind that Mike McCarthy is in the last year of his contract. They want to go play for the Dallas Cowboys, get all the exposure that they get, make the most amount of money they can get, and they look at their team and they see a roster of a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's more about, you know, when you when you slap that term on lame duck president or lame duck president, lame duck uh, coach, it just be like, how does a coach it's it's easy to disrespect a head coach when you know he's probably not gonna be around next year. It's easier to do that. You lose respect from the clubhouse. You lose respect on your coaching staff when those guys know that you're not going to be around next year. It's harder to control a team when you have that uncertainty laying around. So that's what it means. Well, I know what you mean, but at the same time, guys are not going to roll over. And, And all of a sudden, then the word gets around that they quit and shut it down. That's the quickest way not to get a paycheck the following year. Right. If you shut it down on your head coach, you got to keep playing. That's right. That's right. Well, but as for the the Belichick stuff, like, what, I think he will coach again. Like, I, I, I don't. Yeah. I'm surprised that he didn't get a job this year. I don't know what that says about the current state of the NFL. I don't know what that says about Bill Belichick. Um, but yeah, it's it, it certainly not only him. Mike Vrabel didn't get a job. To a lesser extent, Pete Carroll didn't get a job. Like this was we we talked about just a few weeks ago. This is the most talented coaching pool that I've ever seen in the coaching carousel. Every year, six, seven jobs open up in the NFL. And I've never seen the names float around like there were this year. And the majority of them didn't get a job. The only big name that got a job was Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and you knew he was getting a job. Absolutely. You knew, Absolutely. You knew it was be. 
absolutely. And especially, especially I, I just think it, it, it gets down to where we are in so many ways in society, and you can't say anything about the, the players don't want anybody saying anything bad about them, right? And right. Belichick will rip somebody, and Vable will rip somebody. Harbaugh will, too, from time to time. But they, they don't want it. They want these Brandon Staley's. So, okay, come on. Here we go. Or somebody that had lunch with, with um, like Brian Billick says all the time, somebody who had lunch two years ago with Sean McVay. <laughs> and God bless Sean McVay, Miami guy. That's right. Kyle, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's the same way. You, you, you coach in some, some, some facet underneath uh, Kyle Shanahan, you're getting a head coaching job. Absolutely. And then there was one story. Actually, there was one other thing that, that and I, I'm telling you, this is just the brink of the iceberg. Did you see the comments made by Rick Pitino after the game the other day about the NCAA? Ooh. Ooh. He said, there is a reason why you are seeing college football coaches and you're going to see more college basketball coaches that say adios to the college game. This is the wild, wild west, and there are no rules that apply to anybody. Here you have the NCAA which is looking into some things at Virginia and Tennessee, the state attorneys general file lawsuit in the court system. We saw that here in Ohio. Our attorney general, DeRose, he files when Van Dago and, and Jameel Reynolds, right? Yep. It's part of his lawsuit. And, and all of a sudden, every time you turn around, the NCAA has, whether you like them or hate them, they're supposed to be the 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 governing body and hand out penalties if people do wrong by the rules. The problem is nobody understands the rules. This thing has to do with Virginia and Tennessee about NIL money for incoming freshmen and all this kind of thing. And all of a sudden those two states are saying, this is BS what the NCAA says about it. We're filing lawsuits. And Patino's talking about, he was talking about how, you know, he's trying to build this program at St. John's. So he leaves Iona last year, and he mm -hmm. comes into St. John's, and he brings, I think, 12 players with him in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. He said, but then all of a sudden, you get these guys, and you're trying to build a program, and at the end of every season, now you're worried about six of the 12 turning around and walking out the door because they're unhappy. It, it, it's changed. It, it, it is. I don't – we're certainly in a weird spot with the NCAA as every – Everybody, every throughout the history of mankind, when change is happening, there's some uncomfortable things as part of that change. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, though. Like, there's going to be growing pains with the new era of the NCAA. And, yeah, these old coaches that had a lot of success before this new era are going to leave. When, when the Internet started popping up, there was a lot of businesses that could either yep. adapt or they could die, yep. right? Sears went, went, went the way of the dodo. No more Sears anymore because they didn't adapt. Blockbuster didn't adapt to the to the internet, and you're going to see the same thing. Like Nick Saban had a maybe the greatest college football coach ever, certainly up there at the top, and he saw it. and He goes, you know what? I'm out. I don't I don't I don't want to adapt to this new game. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I just think it's changed. That's all. I, I don't think anybody's mad at the NIL, and you shouldn't be really. I, people have been paying players for quite some yeah. time now, whether you want to admit it or not, that's been an ongoing issue uh, in college athletics. But I think one, one of the bigger problems is the NCAA. I think that's what Rick Pitino is saying. I think the enforcement of the so-called rules they, they create, uh, it's not up to standard. It's not up to snuff, uh, as our guy would say in the chat. So, no, I, I, I agree with Rick. 
I think the NCAA is is I mean it can't be on its last legs because it is the the institution where it college athletics a- play. But I think it's I think it's close to not. I mean I think it's on its way out. I really do. I, it I, certainly I, it feels like that towards football. I don't I, NCAA does too much stuff. For the other sports, for the other sports, yes. right, right, like yes. like men's tennis, rowing, all that, all the the, the stuff that they do for Division One, Division Two, yep. Division Three, the, the NCAA can't be replaced. That would be such a such a drastic overhaul. But college football is has become such a beast that it seems likely at some point that they will just go. Listen, we we we're going to take it over from here. We're going to do it ourselves. We'll, we'll, Certainly for college football, it's going to change. And at that point, it becomes what, unfortunately, a lot of people feared it would be when the NIL was brought into it. And that it's, it's, a, it's a minor leagues. It's a, it's a professional sports league. And that's unfortunate to where that's how we've had to do this. But I think a lot of it falls on the NCAA failing it from the jump. And, and that's on them, not on anybody else. And, uh, and I don't know if you might not like the product anymore, but I would argue that Despite no matter what happens, NCAA or no, everybody's still going to watch in on every Saturday for every Ohio State game, every Notre Dame game. Everybody's going to watch them. So nothing really is going to change other than the fact that it is what it, it becomes openly what it's been in the shadows for quite some time, and that is a minor league sports operation. It's, we 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 we're throwing around words like this is unfortunate. This is this is bad for 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 everything. Listen, it, it's just change. That's all it is, and. Human beings will always change. The only constant in life is change. And there's going to be growing pains with the change. That's going to be like, there's going to be more bad before it's, before it's perfected again. But college football, college athletics is going nowhere. It's going to only grow no, in popularity yeah. going forward. And yeah, there's going to be, it's going to be a different beast than it was 10 years ago. Like it is a different beast right now than it was 30 years ago. That's going to be a new thing, but it's not a bad thing. It's just change. Well, Patino so. was making reference on how it's hard to maintain and build a program because you're basically recruiting the same player all four years right, that they're gotta, there you in gotta the school. Right, you got to recruit the guys that And are you're house. recruiting high school guys. And you're recruiting portals from other uh, players from other school that are going into the portal. That's all he's saying. And then the second, just like we did in Cincinnati, I was, I was guilty as charged on this thing. Then in every single little college town you have, they say, well, wait a minute, what about my guy? Yeah, I know the coaches and the presidents didn't want this two-time transfer rule, but man, there are so many heart, heart strings being pulled by Bandago and Jameel Reynolds, and they meet all these criteria. They ought to let our guys, forget their guys, they ought to let our guys play. That's going on everywhere, every state there is. And Patino is just saying there is no enforcement of anything because states are filing lawsuits against the NCAA and against decisions the NCAA is making. And he's just saying it makes it very, very hard to try and build um, a long term. Now, before we get out of here, walk me through what's going on here today. Are you, are you talking about the tennis? Well, of course I'm talking about the tennis. So give everybody, and look, all the people, again, jumping in real quick before I ask you this, about getting in a patino and he's broken the rules. I understand all that, okay? That doesn't mean that patino's an idiot on every topic that comes up. Patino is a Hall of Fame coach. One of the best. Who has won multiple national championships. He knows the system. 
He's been at one end where he's on top of the world at the Kentuckys and the Louisvilles of the world. He's gone back down to try and build up his career again, Iona, and now trying to build up at St. John's. And so he's able to bring perspective to what he sees is going on now pertinent to today's rules. I don't care what Rick Pitino did 20 years ago or 15 years ago at Louisville, 10 years ago at Louisville. I don't care. I'm talking about now. He can give perspective on what the state of the sport is. So now tell me about the state of tennis today. What is going to happen for all that don't know? So we will be playing a tennis match, my boss and I. Uh, Trace, I believe, has never played a, a, a single second of tennis in his entire life. But he's going to try to beat me today, and, and God love him, he's going to give it the old college try. Listen, if, if he's able to play tennis at a high level, uh, and by this I mean being able to execute a drop shot, being able to volley, if he's able to do everything right, he's going to beat me today. I, I, let's not pretend I'm in shape here, in my, in my prime all-city tennis shape. But I have, I have a hard you time believing see. he's going to – I am. They, they do say that. I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to consistently hit it back over the net. That's where, that's where I think Trace is going to lose a little bit of confidence. And at that point, we lose. I still don't know. I think we're going to play one set. Can people I, watch this somewhere if they want to go? We will, we will the record chat. it. We will post-produce it, and we will post the video sometime in the near future. It will be, it will be for members. It will be for members. So if you would like to see the video, I will, I will get some clips of it. Uh, and, and if the clips are funny enough for you to want to join us uh, and all the other members that we have, you can feel free to do so. But that's, that's where it will be behind. It will be behind the, uh, the membership. Are you running a camera on this, Casey? You are? Yes, I am. Kind of like the golf. Yes. Yes. Who's officiating this? Because, I mean, I can see a McEnroe meltdown right there. It's going to be the honor system. We'll have special. I don't know if Trace is bringing a guest, but I will have my tennis coach backing my shots. My high school tennis coach. We'll be there. We'll be there. Really? Oh, yes. And where is this being played again? Well, I I didn't want to give that information out. But it will be on the west side of Cincinnati. It'll be on the west side of Cincinnati. Okay, a lot of people here are taking uh, Elliot on the money line. Uh, Drew Garrison says, "I'm hammering zebra money line." What is? Yeah, the, and a lot of people are, are a lot of people are questioning the cardio, and you have any, every right to question that. My biggest concern, though, if you're if if I'm a, a if I'm a better backing trace, is can the guy fundamentally hit a tennis ball? And I don't believe he can. I don't believe it. He could. I just don't. I don't. I don't see it happening. It's big time stuff. It was golf. And now we've moved into tennis. And the elitist tennis. sports out there. If no, if, wait a minute. No, 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 no. No, tennis is one of the great. It's one of the most compassionate sports out there. Anybody, it's it's an every man sport. Those are the elitist sports. What's the third most elitist sport? Um, skiing. So something in the winter. I ski too. No, but I'm talking about like the, the, they, they play like uh, no, no. Yeah, that's lacrosse. not elitist that's, sport. That's, that's an, an Indian. Indian. It's discovered in Canada by the Indians up there. They're not. They're not that's not an elitist sport. But, elitist. Who, but who plays it? It's it, it's it's the it's the private schools in the wealthier areas are the teams that have lacrosse school teams. Best lacrosse teams in the country are what Duke and uh, that's right. Who's, John Hopkins, Johnny Hopkins, North Carolina. I smoke pot with Johnny Hopkins, but yeah, North Carolina. Sloan Kettering and John Hopkins. Johnny Hopkins. Mouse Cop says lacrosse is elite. It is correct. It's elite. Um, Baseball's okay. getting there, but that's it. Okay. We'll see you there. We got to go film it. So okay. All right. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. Casey, thank you. Lindsay, have a great rest of your day. You too. Are you going to this tennis match? You probably have better things to do, I would hope. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. We'll see. All right. Gentlemen, 
Good luck today. Thank you. God bless. Good luck, Elliot. I, I think I have a chance. I, I think you, like I said, if if you lose, I don't want to hear about all city ever again. Okay. But what if I win? You can bring it up as much as you want. Okay. That's fair. Chase says, pray for Elliot's ankles. Mm. I, that's true. We're, you we wearing ankle braces? We could be dealing with uh, injuries today. There could be some serious injuries tomorrow in this studio. <laughs> I'm just saying, there could be some... I'm a little could... worried about Trace because he uh, played a bunch of pickup basketball for like five hours over the weekend. He can barely bend over right yeah, now. Yeah, so how about that, Tom? Yeah, that was him... pretty weak. How about him coming into the office today, first thing he says, yeah. to me, hey, Elliot, by the way, I don't know how I'm going to play today because I'm real injured. That was basketball. pretty lame. Yep. I would never make an injury such as that. I would never make an excuse like that on the golf course when there's no water uh, and you're walking the whole course like that. I'd never make an excuse. I'm not an excuse guy. Clearly, Trace is, and I guess that's where we differ. Well, we'll see how it plays out. If you have if you have an injury that you cannot play because of today, yeah, like some some sort of somewhat severe, like where you just can't play, right? Sure. Do you forfeit? No. Okay. Nope. Goes on. Okay. Beat goes on. All right. All right. We thank every one of you for joining us here today. And uh, we'll have a full report. Look for Elliot. What, what, what's the uh, X site? You're going to have a little something on there tonight. Are you? Wait, wait. Uh, uh, so, our, so the at Seabox Sports, and then it's at uh, E-Train 513 for myself. Okay. All right. We'll check it out. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. God bless. Have a great rest of your Justin. Monday Justin. in the bright sunshine Justin. of Hamilton, Ohio. See ya.